Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Utopia. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Not too bad at all, apart from a very bad back. So, Huddersfield Town are now officially safe from relegation, uh, with their one all win against Coventry turning out to mean absolutely nothing. Uh, results elsewhere and what did it. I think we knew for a while they were going to be safe, didn't we, Dave? But I think before we move on to the game, we should maybe talk about the, that side of things. Yeah, um, I, it wasn't. It was. It, it was really entirely fitting with the, how the rest of the season has gone, wasn't it? Really, in that it was a, it was a bit of a dull game. Um, town sort of huffed and puffed and didn't get anywhere, and the opposition were just very neat, tidy, well organised, and came out with a bit of fire in the belly after half time. As soon as they went one nil up, they didn't. They didn't look like they were concerned with getting too much more out of the game. And even when Town equalised, it felt very, very much like both sides went, "Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do." And it was that. It was that sort of game, really. And it's good that they're finally over the line. I think we've been. I mean, you you were saying all along that 45 points would be enough and turns out you're absolutely right uh it could well be well it is going to be sorry it, it could well be that 43 will turn out to be enough this season uh and i think given how poor the division has been this year it's good news that town are not down there because that really would i mean it's damning enough that they're in 20th in this in this division but it has been a, a poor season hasn't it down at the bottom it has it has you you the thing is about this division this year is I strongly suspect you're going to get the three relegated Premier League sides going straight back up. And I don't think in a COVID season that's any great shock, if I'm brutally honest, because they've been the ones who've been able to retain the players, whereas others haven't had that Premier League loan boon. They've they've not the transfer market was absolutely dead. But you look at some of the sides in the, the that division and they've just stagnated really this year. They've they've not really done anything. Bristol should not be in nineteenth place. Nottingham Forest should not be in sixteenth place. Blackburn shouldn't be in fifteenth place. Stoke shouldn't be in fourteenth place. So there's a lot of sides that I, I genuinely think there's there's about two thirds of that division is looking at their season and not happy with it at all. Um so it's been a funny it's been a funny season. There's a lot of cliche about the championship isn't there you know best league in the world to watch and anyone can beat anyone this season has just been a lot of stodge really it's like the the championship has always been a really nice sorbet really nice palate cleanser and this year it's just been a massive bread and butter pudding that you got to wade through with a little spoon um it's it's one of those seasons that to be perfectly honest with you about a month ago lots of people hit a threshold i sort of noticed on twitter and my social media where i follow lots of championship fans and championship accounts etc and about a month ago there really was a moment where lots of people were just like oh, can this season just end and usually that's not that's not the case with the championship everybody's usually on the edge of their seat till the very end so yeah I don't think it's a season that's going to live long in the memory generally and I don't think it's Huddersfield Town season that's going to live particularly long in the memory either no disappointing campaign um for everyone I think and we, we talked about this sort of to death over the last well over the whole second half of the season to be honest but especially last week we went into it in in great detail so I don't think we need to quite dredge over just the many failings and pitfalls and and everything else that they've they've had this season because we've done it but I think what we need to do now is is look to the future um and you know everyone at the club will be doing that I think they need to sort of get their ducks in a row as far as recruitment goes quite early going into next season and we will do a podcast either next week or sort of sometime early in the summer talking about the recruitment in more detail and what needs to be done um 
in short, though, I think they need potentially players for pretty much every position. Um, it depends who they're who they're able to retain, but they're going to need at least a backup player for pretty much every position and a first choice for a few few positions as well. Um, and they can't have another season like they've had this year, can they? No, not at all. Not at all. The, the spoke about it before and I said it on on Twitter they can't they can't afford to just atrophy next season and remain in that sort of bottom cluster of of six seven clubs really because if they do that's three seasons back in the championship three seasons exactly the same and Huddersfield Town are just going to be that club again that is always in the relegation shake up until the last few weeks of the season and nobody wants that because I don't hold with this this sort of well you've been in the Premier League so you must be better because of it there's lots and lots of, t- of teams who have come out of the Premier League and they have struggled Stoke haven't bounced and they've got more money than God um, it, it's it's a tough league but they've got to get themselves into that mid-table mix I know we said it this season but next season they need that sort of drama free safe in February stuck in that cluster of of sort of mid-table teams and be competing against everyone um they just can't afford to do this again which is why i come back to what we said last week without repeating ourselves i think that it it's fine to say that carlos corbin should stay as manager um and be given the sort of recruitment window and everything else but like right from game one of next season there really does need to be some targets that need to be hit because town can't afford a slow start they can't afford to give everybody else around them four or five games again so yeah big big old season next season it's starting to feel bigger and bigger the closer it gets to be honest as things often do that's why they had that little warning on your wing mirrors isn't it just uh, yeah yeah (laughs) things often appear bigger when they get close to you name of your sex tape (laughs) um yeah the the game itself at the weekend, uh, as you say, it wasn't a classic. Um, <laughs> but we've spent eight minutes on this pod and managed to barely mention it, which probably sums up how we felt about that game, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I, I mean, it was nice to see Danny Ward on the score sheet. Um, it's just a shame that Town had to be coming from behind to, to, to get that point. Um, I think we have sort of differing views quite literally from a lot of fans on the Coventry opener because uh, I don't know how clearly this came across and because of the social media blackout at the weekend um, which obviously we fully support um, but because of the social media blackout at the weekend we weren't really able to explain that on the replays I don't think you can even especially see that it even got a deflection um, let alone the size of it but I think in the ground live from where we sit in the press box I think none of us went oh that was Ryan Schofield to blame for that it was it was quite a a severe deflection because the ball was heading to the far post and he starts he started to dive that way and then it deflects in um towards the near post he still gets a, a touch to it but the view sort of live in the ground from pretty much everyone was well it more hit him than anything else there's nothing he could do about it you think though dave that that maybe he could have kept it out regardless um i i think we're looking right we were literally looking right down the line of that shot um and as you're right it is a bit weird because the deflection has just barely been mentioned everybody just said he had a howler and i don't think that was the case i think the problem is that it's yet another goal that he's got a hand or an arm to and it's still gone in and at some point you've got to be getting a hand or an arm to these and keeping them out and i i thought he did okay actually because he must have been feeling the blackburn game still in his system um every time a cross came in every time a corner came in and I thought he did all right, but it it's just it was a big deflection that didn't come across. He was going across to the other side and the ball went into the near post, but he still reacts pretty well to it and gets something on it. And it's as I said, it's just that thing of I don't know if it's not a strength and conditioning thing. It's it's just he's got to he's got to start getting to these and keeping them out. That's the reality. But again, I know we keep saying it all the time, Steve, but he's a young keeper and he's only going to improve by by playing. It's just, it's tough for some town fans who 
I think have made one or two have made their mind up and that he's never ever going to be ready and I I don't think that's the case. I think there's obvious signs that he's going to be a decent keeper but it's just it's just whether town can afford to have the patience with him to just keep keep going. I think when we do that recruitment podcast the goalkeeper chat is actually quite an interesting one Steve. Yeah, it is. I I think the stats suggest he is actually an excellent shot stopper and there's not many keepers in this division who are better at making a save from close range than than Schofield so she say I I don't think it's the reactions at all um and i would love to see i haven't seen yet an angle on that goal that sort of replicates the angle that we had because mm. i would love to see it again particularly at full speed and see whether whether sort of that view we all had in the press box on the day sort of stands up because it felt to me like i remember Janina bakuna's goal against forest recently all the forest fans are having a go at their their keeper saying he should have kept it out but I think we said on this podcast it was one of those where when you actually see it at full speed he's just not even got time to react to it and I wonder if mm. there might be an element of that with this goal um, but I agree it's it's just not a great look sort of PR wise for Ryan Schofield uh, mm. unfortunately after he, he let one get past him at, at, at Blackburn that was sort of a saveable shot not to mention the other errors he made um, but um, it is what I it still, is I still maintain he just genuinely I mean it was the Cowleys who identified it as well I still still think he just needs to put a bit of stack on <laughs> to be brutally honest with you I think he just needs mm. to get just a little just an inch wider and an inch thicker really to so that he just feels more confident in terms of of coming through people and I mean even even barking orders about because the one thing I've noticed about him is he's he's quite quiet for a goalkeeper you know usually you can hear the the goalkeeper squawking throughout the game and he's still quite quiet and I think that's perhaps a reflection of the fact that he's got Keo in front of him who is very vocal and does a lot of that for him and there's Hogg on the pitch as well but next season I'd like to see him you know going out there and rollicking his defenders quite a bit and I I just like I like my keeper to be angry when they concede rather than just sort of go oh no you know I want them to turn around and blame the defenders I want them to be angry yeah, if about it's it. not their fault yeah I mean yeah. it was it was interesting we noticed straight away from the corners they basically they had Yaya Sonogo stationed um, just mm. inside the corner of the six yard box so he was basically there so that if any any of the corners were hit straight at Schofield there was a man between yeah. uh, Schofield and and the ball and Sonogo was Bouncer. basically yeah bouncer for him just getting up and nodding everything away that sort of came into that area which you know we've talked before about how town can help uh Schofield out and it's obviously has this floor in his game but I think you're absolutely right that there's been times where they've not stopped crosses going into the box or they've not dealt with them well when they have come in or players have not picked up their men and they're it isn't all on Schofield it's obviously an area of the game that he needs to work on and it's almost becoming a trope on this podcast now that that we stick up for Ryan Schofield I don't think um, I think if you read my conclusions from after the Blackburn game you know I think there is unfortunately a world where he ends up playing League One League Two football most of his career if he can't get this cracked but I think Mm. what we're saying is you and I knowing the character that he is and knowing that he the floor he has in his game with the crosses is I think something you can learn um whereas the shot stopping and the reflexes that he has generally speaking um is something that you can't really teach um and i think if he can crack the crossing stuff it's worth giving him a go to see if he can do that because if he can i think he is a leading championship goalkeeper in years to come and it's also worth saying he's the youngest regular starting goalkeeper in the division but we'll see where he goes from here um and as you say, we can have a proper debate about it when we get to the uh, the recruitment podcast. Um, mm. At the other end of the field, and I'm going to go on a <laughs> stick up for another player here, Danny Ward, uh, who came on in the, with 20 minutes to go and uh, and scored from a corner. It was nice to see uh, an opposition goalkeeper <laughs> uh, dropping across into the feet of a Huddersfield Town player or onto the chest of a Huddersfield Town player as it was. It was a really nice takedown and finish from Danny Ward. It was, yeah. I I put it on Twitter yesterday when you saw that angle that the club tweeted, the super slow-mo. It's actually a really good piece of striking play because he sniffs the danger and heads towards the ball but then reads that it's going to come to the defender and where the defender's going to put it so he checks back. 
and then catches it on the chest and takes it on the full. And get, it's not it's not a flashy goal. It's not a twenty five yarder or anything like that. It's just a really sharp piece of striking play, and I think it's a decent reward because he has looked a lot sharper. I know, weirdly, I know he got a lot of grief for the Blackburn game, and it's like, well, you can't as a as a striker, you could you you live off the service you receive, and in that Blackburn game, there was just nothing happened. No one played well. Whereas I think in his his last few cameos late on in games, he's come on and he's looked he's looked different. He's looked sharper. He's he, more than anything, he's just looked quicker. You know, he's looked like he's got that trust in his body to run at full tilt, which. At various points in the season, he didn't like, particularly when he got picked for that Bournemouth game. It almost looked like he didn't trust his his hamstrings or his groin not to blow up. So yeah, I was I was pleased, and I hope it's the start of something. I hope it would be nice if he could get a goal against Reading and just settle into pre-season, have a little break, and then get fully fit for the new season and and hit the ground running. And I, I don't necessarily think there's a reason why he can't do that. There are there's things that we don't want to speculate on as to why he's not had a great season this season but I don't think it's all about his his talent and what's on the pitch I think I think Huddersfield Town fans need to just hope there's a lot more to come from Danny Ward and I think me and you both think there is yeah I mean Town have scored six goals in their last five games and he's been on the pitch for all of them and he's only played 216 minutes he only started one of those five games the rest of them he's come off the bench so he's averaged 43 minutes per game over those five games and town has scored six goals while he's been on the pitch so that's one every 36 minutes while he's been on and not all of them have been down to his presence obviously you know (laughs) I don't think he he had much of a role in Josh Cromer's goal against Blackburn for instance um but you know I, I think he 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 has looked a lot sharper he he himself has said that he's admitted that he's had a shocking season uh, his words and he's also said he's had a nightmare of a season also his words with with the injuries um and i we always have a look at sort of how the fans have done the player ratings um and there's always certain players who they will give same as us i'm sure i do it as well if you look at, at sort of the average ratings it's it's natural that you have your favorites and players you don't like but danny ward routinely gets a much lower rating than than we give him um mm. I, and there's a few players who that is true of obviously alex pritchard is one of them you know adama diakabi always got it as well even though we always gave him a low rating why? anyway why? the fans would always go lower why would diakabi get a low rating? i know it's it's why? baffling it's baffling but um but the but Danny Ward is is very much one of those players, and he has been since he came back. It's not it's not a new thing. It's been like that since the very start of the season. Um, and um, I feel like a lot of people were sort of sort of not not willing him to fail because you don't want your centre forward to, to to fail at your club, but. I feel like people wrote him off pretty much as soon as he came back in because they remembered him as an underwhelming yeah. wing, an underwhelming winger who was being played out of position. Um, and it wasn't a sexy signing. And it wasn't a sexy signing. He was pretty much the only one they brought in. But him and Joel Pereira were the only ones they brought in before the start of the season. Uh, he hadn't played a huge amount for Cardiff. He'd mostly played off the bench. So for all that we can look at the the goal scoring stats and goals when he's on the pitch and his conversion rate and you know this was his. I've seen people on Twitter sort of having a go saying it's taken until the 45th game of the season for him to get a goal that says it all it's like well but it doesn't say it all because he's only started six of those games he's had injuries that's Mm. not his fault Um, and I, I feel like a lot of the criticism of Ward is personal in a quite a an unnecessary way sometimes and I don't know Danny Ward I've spoken to him once at a pre-season friendly um, last summer that's the only time I've ever spoken to Danny Ward so I'm not sticking up for a player I have a personal relationship or anything like that but I just think some of the comments I've seen about him on social media are uh, straying into into the personal in a way that is unnecessary for a, a player who has come back had an injury hit season and 
you know, and been playing in a poor side, you know, you have to remember that he he didn't play most of those games where Town were in their best period. Uh, he's he's no. only really been able to put a run of games together from sort of April onwards, uh, and most of them have still been off the bench. So, I think there's I think there's a couple of things it's worth adding though, Steve. I think that I I don't disagree with anything you've said about your best friend in the world, <laughs> um, but. I think there's a couple of other things. I think, weirdly, if he had cost two million quid, the fans would have been a lot more excited about him coming. They wouldn't. There wouldn't have been a bit of a sort of a mi- the mindset that there was. Um, mm. Weirdly, I I think they would have been a bit more invested from the off. And the second thing is, I think it comes back again to that optic of when fans aren't at the ground, you don't. And the way Town have played this season, which is. They've ended up being sucked deep quite a lot. Don't say name of my sex tape. Um, they've ended up with a lot of playing midfield. There's been a lot of stodgy games. They've been on the back foot quite a bit. A striker making clever runs and working his bum off and trying to get in behind and not being found by midfielders and is, you know, often often ploughing a bit of a lone furrow uh, just doesn't come across as anything as anything other than a bad game on TV. It doesn't because you only see what's in that box. You don't see anything else. I, I noticed that a lot of people said that um, Yaya Sonogo had a bad game against Coventry. I don't think he had a great game, but I don't think he had an actively bad game. It's just he was very much on his own up there. He was quite isolated and there's not an awful lot you can do other than just try and win the ball as and when it comes anywhere near you. So I think Ward has suffered when he's played with a little bit of that as well. Um, but the other side of it is he has played in the two worst defeats of the season. Three. The Bournemouth. Start, started all three. The yeah. Bournemouth, um, Norwich and uh, Blackburn started all three. And the thing is, I don't think he was actually culpable in any of those games in any way. That's not what I'm saying. But again, when you talk about optics... It's unavoidable that you're going to go, right, well, there's a player who's featured in all three of those games. Ergo, he must be in our worst 11, essentially. I just I just think with this season, it, I'm not making some sort of passionate defence. You know, he's not my best mate, he's yours. Um, <laughs> I'm not making some sort of massive passionate defence, but I think... I just think there's a lot more to come from him and I think that this season getting that goal before the end of the season is actually it, it sounds odd but it's actually quite significant because if he even even if he doesn't score against Reading he will feel an awful lot better going into this summer having at least got that one goal than he would if he goes a whole season without scoring because he's a striker and they they know that's what they're judged on so yeah, I I just hope there's more to come. I I hope a full pre-season and a few months of fitness. I just hope he comes back a much different, much improved player. Yeah, me too. I, he's got a lot to offer. He is two-footed pretty much at this point. I, I know he was he's predominantly a left-footed player, but he scored. I mean, that was another one on his right foot. So he scored he scored more goals for Cardiff on his right foot than his left last season. Uh, and obviously, the one he's got for Town now is is on his right foot as well. And Look, I don't think he's a, a perfect centre-forward. I think probably ideally, if you're an aspirational club, you probably want someone who is a bit more capable of making things for themselves than Danny Ward um, playing up top. So I understand it from that point of view. And But I just think there's a difference between saying that he is... But being underwhelmed that he is your first-choice striker and having a go at him personally for for the struggles he's had because it's not it's not an intentional thing. I mean, the the thing that sort of put this in my mind was just the fact of seeing that rating, the the fact that the fans gave him a five point four out of ten in a game where he's come off the bench with twenty minutes to go and scored an equaliser. <laughs> And you're giving yeah. him a five point four. It's like, come on! Yeah. What did you actually expect him to do? What does he need and, to do to get a seven out of years? And also, a lot of people were sort of very keen to say that he's been a terrible signing and he's had a terrible season and all that. And I'm not debating the fact he's had a good season. He hasn't at all. And he should be somewhere between five and ten goals for the season. He should. And I'm sure yeah. next season, if he plays regularly, he will be. But Town have conceded sixty nine goals this season mm. and that's the same as Wickham who are rock bottom there's there's no one else I think there's maybe Bristol who are close to that so to sort of say well I'm really annoyed that our striker isn't good enough when you 
they've conceded 69 goals. You know, the joint worst in the division just feels to me to be a bit of a straw man, if I'm brutally honest with you. But, yeah, onwards and upwards. <laughs> yeah, very much so. We'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, as I say, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to go and score thirty goals next season or anything like that. But no, but five to ten goals would you see? Town are going to finish. Best case scenario, Town are going to finish on fifty one points. If Danny Ward gets five to ten goals next season, I think that's automatically fifty six, fifty seven points. So you you're getting everything you've got this season plus a little bit more. So it it is significant. His contribution can be significant because obviously that's the difference between town being where they are and being tucked away in twelfth or thirteenth. For me and you are saying, well, everything's pretty broadly speaking all right. Yeah, very much so. Um, you you mentioned Reading there. I think you and I are sort of in differing minds as, as to what we want to see from Huddersfield Town against Reading on the final day of the season. Do you want to go first? Uh, well, yeah, if you want to set me up and then blow me apart, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Uh, I just think, I think Reading are so on the beach that they're basically walking around with Soleras in the hand and ordering Dos San Miguel Pofavor. So they've not won in, I think it's six or seven games. They've lost two in their last five, I think drawn three or four. I just think it would be very, very good for town to try and finish with a win just to take something into the summer because that Millwall game last year after the high of staying up against West Brom even with the what happened with the Cowleys everything just felt so flat after that game if you remember everything was just so ugh, after that that it did leave a bit of a taste in the mouth and I think there's no reason in a dead rubber to not just go for it just play a strong team don't muck around with it too much but just just get on the front foot and just just go at them just try and you know there's there's nothing to be scared of because they've literally nothing to play for and Reading and Barnsley I mean I don't know we've not discussed this Steve so I don't know if you'd agree with this or not but I think in any other season Reading and Barnsley would be in mid-table because I don't think they're great at all and I think if you look at the statistics I think that bears that out they're not brilliant they don't neither of them score loads of goals they both concede it's just that this season's been rubbish really in the championship so they're the two sides that have put together a little level of level of consistency and it's got them into sixth and seventh yeah Reading had a good first half of the season Barnsley have had a good second half of the season yeah and that's all it's needed to get into sixth and seventh place so I just I just think it would be good for town just to try and take something into the summer just try and finish on a on a little bit of a on a little bit of a high because this club has only won 12 games of football this season and they've lost 21 so just go for it you know the the handbrake's off there's no pressure you're not looking over your shoulder no one's going to watch the game because everybody's going to be watching Sheffield Wednesday and Derby slug it out so just just go for it (laughs) just go for it I am of a different mindset which is just I don't really care about this game I don't care about the result I don't care about the performance um I think even if they win it no one remembers anyway I think if they lose 4-1 like they did against Millwall on the final day last season having played all the kids no one remembers that next season either um I think it I think this has already been a poor season and the the only thing I think there is merit in having a win is just so that no one can say they finished on less than 50 points um, I think getting over I think Corbran was talking about how they want to reach their target um, which presumably is the 50 um, and if they can it, the only way they can do that is by winning and getting 51 so at least if they can do that then no one can say well you stayed up with less than 50 that's you know relegation another year even though I think that's probably true um, but it's just it's to me all I'm thinking of when I'm looking at that game is this is an opportunity for someone to go and break their leg ahead of the summer, um, which I know is every just, game of football. But when it's a, yeah. when it's such a dead rubber and they've had the injury problems they've had and you got players carrying knocks and it's been such a long arduous season for everyone. Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, put yeah, but put it this way: I wouldn't play Toffolo and Pippa. I would that they're both clearly 
carrying knocks at the moment and I wouldn't I wouldn't go to the point of playing my strongest 11 but I would just play a really attacking side and just mm. say just go for it just try and just try and get something because the other thing is I just get the feeling that if town go ahead against Reading I get the feeling they could actually collapse because I just I don't think they've got anything left so town could finish with a with a 2-0 3-0 there and things would just feel an awful lot better um rather than you know stodging their way to a 2-0 defeat and going into the summer in the same sort of fashion and mindset that they've had over the back end of the season but I think both approaches are valid if I'm honest Steve to be honest with you I think your approach is completely valid too you know it it, it doesn't matter there is no denying it it doesn't matter to anyone involved no I think we're gonna struggle to talk about that game next week aren't we yeah well yeah, but we can throw forward a little bit in next week's pod and we need to probably talk about Got last season, season compared to this yeah. season and various other things. So but I just I don't think it's gonna be a thriller, but I do think Reading are just they're sitting ducks really. They're there for the take and it's just whether town actually managed to do it. Do you do you think that was the target then fifty points? I think so. Like Corbran is still yeah. I th- there's been he hasn't outright put a number on it, but I think the there has been a strong implication from things that he said that it that it was fifty and still is fifty because he has said that they still haven't hit their target with that that result against Coventry, but they they can on the final day. So I assume it must have been the fifty. Um, mm. But James, it was last year, really, isn't it? That fifty. Mm. It is. It is, and I do. You know, neither of us are going to make any caveats about this season. I think any other season, town could have been bang in trouble. But like Reading are in seventh, and they've only won nineteen out of forty-five. It's 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 just not been a great league at all. I, I so think, I think town would have finished bottom of this league last year. I think. I yeah, think I last, don't. I, last year was a really strong division. I think. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree. I mean, I know, I know it's sacrosanct to say it, but the Cowleys did a phenomenal job pulling town to where they did last season I, I, I'm i a bit like you I think they would have been absolutely doomed if it was if it was the same circumstances this season uh, so yeah but fortunately <laughs> Town have had always had three sides that are worse than them arguably a couple more mm. I mean we should probably we should probably put a little prediction on I know it's Huddersfield Town podcast but we should the put a little day, prediction yeah. on who we think is going down and who would like to go down <laughs> um <sighs> I think, oh man, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because it's it's hard to say whose hands it's in, even because Derby, no, a draw is no good for anyone on that final day, basically. Because if Derby draw, Rotherham could go ahead of them. Well, would go ahead of them with a win. Uh, I feel like the Derby Sheffield Wednesday game is going to be a draw, and then it's whether Rotherham can get a win away to Cardiff, who have nothing to play for but have just won four nil <laughs> against Birmingham. But the way the goal difference is, if Rotherham win uh, and Derby don't win, then Rotherham will stay up and Derby will go down. So, mm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. And personally, I. I would quite like Rotherham to stay up. Um, I, I quite like Paul Warren as a as a person, and I think he's done over the years a fantastic job as manager there. Given the extremely limited resources they've had, you know them them being a yo-yo club between the Championship and League One is probably realistically the limits of their ambitions. Uh, in a similar way to to the limit of Town's ambitions is to be a yo-yo club between the Premier League and the Championship again one day. Yeah, I would, and I feel like Derby. Whatever happens that looks like a club that is in real dire trouble at the moment mm. on and off the pitch that uh, they're on a dreadful run of form and things off the pitch are looking pretty bleak and their only hope is a chap called Eric Alonso who's doing a takeover and when I did some digging on him um, when he was connected with Wednesday a, f- a few months ago was not super impressed by some of the things that have emerged about him shall we say but what do you think Dave? Um, I think Derby and Sheffield Wednesday, I think longer term a relegation might actually do them some good because both clubs look like they need a massive reset and I think you I think you're probably only gonna get that via a relegation because if both clubs stay in, in the league next season, it just feels like it's gonna be more of the same. Even if Derby's new owners come in, it just feels more of the same. 
So I, I'm with you. I think Rotherham have contributed more this season. I think they've got a solid manager. I think they've got a realistic squad with realistic ambitions of, of where they want to be. Um, so I'd like Rotherham to stay up. But yeah, I, I, it's going to be tough because Cardiff are a very decent side. Um, on their day, Cardiff are capable of beating anybody in that league, including the top two Um so it's it's a, a very, very big ask, I would say. I'm a bit like you. I can see that Derby Sheffield Wednesday game being a being a draw and being a real nerve fest, basically, being a really dreadful game. But one other thing I did want to mention while we're in our while we've switched into a championship podcast instead of a Huddersfield Town one is another reason Town needs to be slightly wary, I think, of, of next season and it being a bigger season is because I think the teams coming up, I actually think League One has been the opposite of the Championship. I think League One has been pretty high quality this season. I think it's it's higher quality than I've seen it several times in the past. And Hull are coming up, who are a, a solid functioning side, and I don't think anybody can say are probably going to you know come straight back down. I think they're going to make a very decent fist of it. Peterborough are very, very similar, really. Um, and both of those sides score goals. Um, and then out of the playoffs, you've got Blackpool who are on a massive resurgent, massive turnaround, Sunderland, Lincoln and Portsmouth. So there's going to be three good sides coming up, regardless of the three sides that go down. So I think it's going to be a bit more of a competitive championship next season, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest. But yeah, I... I I'm not too bothered who goes down, but if I had my choice, I'm exactly the same as you. I'd rather see Rotherham in that league, if I'm if I'm brutally honest. Hmm. I think it will be Derby, though. Unfortunately, I I can't see Rotherham. They, have they lost? They need. Lost six in a row now. It's something like this. At least the last five. The the one I, the, the league table I'm looking at only has the last five results, and they're all defeats. Which, so. I mean, bear in mind that's a side that are fighting, allegedly fighting for their survival. That feels very, very Hull City 2020-2021, doesn't it? Yeah, well, 2019-20, but yes, I take your point. Uh (laughs) Yeah, all right, leave it. Well, I think that's sort of the one thing you can say for town. Um, And it's really, really damning with faint praise, but they have been... They have been better at scraping those results when they've needed to, uh, particularly in that sort of that run, Birmingham, Cardiff, QPR, where they obviously won Wednesday and Brentford. Um, they didn't even play especially well against against Birmingham or Sheffield Wednesday, I didn't think, but they were still able to scrape draws. I'm not going to give them the credit of the one against Rotherham because they were just extremely lucky in, in that game. But, you know, they did actually manage to get some points on the board, which is more than you can say for um, for Derby and Rotherham over the last last few weeks Mm. yeah yeah I think when we do the season review we're going to have to talk a lot about the town's switch to being a bit more pragmatic when it became very very clear that they desperately needed the points to stay up I think you're right it is damning with faint praise but they are in 20th position and safe yeah and you have to say you'd far rather be in 20th and safe than in 21st and having to fight for your survival on the final day the problem is we're gonna have to have a chat about whether this season there has actually been any progress or not and it's it's quite tough to make that case which is why I think it would be quite good to just go for it on the final day and try and get that win and try and get over that 51 point threshold yeah I mean we can have that discussion now if you like yeah can do yeah I think um, I, th- I feel like this season has just been killing time for them um, to be to be honest um, I think it's just been get these players who are on sort of still on big money uh, out of the club likes of Adam- Adama Diakabi Alex Pritchard um, Christa Schindler who obviously you don't put in that, that category which is why I, I see I left a little pause after Diakabi and Pritchard there but um, <laughs> yeah um, you know through no fault of his own he's been injured and, and earning a lot of money to, to sit on the sidelines for over half the season and um, that I'm not attaching any blame to him for that at all but having him off the wage bill allows them to go and get players who um, who will hopefully be able to make a contribution next year Um and and there's others as well, you know. Ben Haim has gone, etc. And I feel like it. And Phil Hodgkinson almost told us as much in October that this season, while they had sort of aspirations and they wanted to get this new style and they wanted Corbrand to get his feet under the table and impress, 
Um, it was about just sort of, in a financial sense, keeping things tight and not taking any unnecessary risks and playing for a nil-nil of a season. And that's that's kind of what they've had is a boring nil-nil of a season where they've they've not really made any any advancements, but they've hopefully put themselves in a position to to do something going into the summer. Um, I believe they they are keen to to get things done early in the window as uh, if they possibly can. Uh, I think we there's you know obviously. Jordan Rhodes has been very strongly connected and I think we'd be more surprised if that didn't happen than if it did at this stage um, and they they just need to, to strengthen the squad and as I say as we said for the umpteenth time we will get onto the recruitment properly um, in the future but I believe that is their intention and it's just about I feel like now they can just try and get the numbers up for next year and try not to rely quite so much on I think you and I could make an argument for sort of Romani Edmonds Green, Ryan Schofield, Aaron Rowe um, and don't forget Josh Caroma was probably in that sort of category at the start of the season as well but I think we'd rather not be seeing uh, likes of and nothing against these players but likes of um, um, Pat Jones coming off the bench next season for instance or Brahima Diara or you know even even Romney Critchlow in an ideal world town should not have to be falling back on on those players or playing and I'm not just having a go at youngsters there they've all they've got their careers ahead of them they could well make a success themselves they've also had sort of old legs in the side players who've come in as sort of emergency signings like Richard Keogh um who is is there to fill a job and the other thing is they've had a, a few too many sort of uh, you know round pegs and square holes or vice versa um, this season you know we've talked endlessly about Dwayne Holmes has been underwhelming since he's come back but you and I are both I think in agreement that he's not been helped by the fact that he's been played in every position except his best position which is at number eight so yeah that there is a job to be done there to make sure they have proper cover of players of a, a decent age and an experience level um to cover every every position next season and i think this year was just getting through it so that they can put themselves in a position to do that this summer yeah i don't disagree with that at all i think the thing about youngsters is you want them on the bench through merit rather than default and the problem is there's been several times this season where they've had to be on the bench by default because there's been nobody else available and that is never a great situation. Um, we had an off-air chat, for example, about Scott High, where we both think there could be a player there, but he's often had to come into situations because there's been no one else. He's often had funny minutes in games where the game has already gone, and that doesn't really help anyone. So, yeah, I think that I think the sort of the makeup of the squad needs to change. You you need. Basically, I think in the Championship, what makes a huge difference is you want a squad where, for two-thirds of it, a win bonus makes a huge difference. That's that's the thing. And at the moment, Town have got too many players for whom a win bonus, goal bonus, assist bonus doesn't really make a massive difference to them because they're earning enough as it is. So losing a Schindler, a Pritchard, etc., etc., we could go on, is going to make a big difference to what you can do with that squad. And I think my personal modelling for it would be to go and get players who are hungry and want to play upper level and want to really make a difference and fight for a place in the side rather than... I think the thing about experienced championship players is Richard Keogh is an experienced championship player and we've nothing against him and I think we've both agreed that he's actually come in and made a difference and done far better than we thought but if you're going to make progress and if you're going to get into that mid-table you want players who are going to fight and scrap and are desperate to be there and they've got something to prove and I think that I think that that's that's the sort of end of the transfer market town are going to be shopping in naturally, mm. perhaps supplemented with a couple of loans from from the Premier League. I think, I think it's admirable to turn around and say, well, we're not going to develop other clubs' players for them. But I think there also comes a point where you need options and you want something a bit different and you want a little bit of quality. Look at Carol Lighting and the difference this season if he had played forty five games at this point mm. and been fully fit. So I think it's I, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough summer in the transfer market for lots of teams and I think town are fairly sensible getting their business done early. I just I think it's 
I know we've said it over the last couple of transfer windows. I think the outs are as important. And I think getting that business done with not only those who are out of contract, but those that you want to get out of the club, getting it done early so that you're not sort of new players aren't coming in and there's still a sort of old vibe around the squad, I think is important. And like, if if anybody thinks that Town just need to go and spend a load of money and get a load of really, really good players for the first team, everybody wants to do that. What Town need is a far more competitive squad. You only have to look at the minutes Janino Bakuna has played this season for the actual return Town have had out of him to sort of understand where the deficiencies in Town's squad are, to be perfectly honest with you. So yeah, it, it's this this summer is about numbers. It's about getting numbers in. It's about shifting numbers out, and it's about getting the numbers right on the on the wages sheet. So there's quite a lot of balancing to be done. There's, it's it's important to to get business done quickly and efficiently, really. So it's it's a big test. It's a big test to people at the club, and it's quite. I don't think we're talking out of turn if we say that. It's quite encouraging to see the Rhodes rumour, for example, regardless of what you think of Jordan Rhodes, but it does prove that they are actively trying to go about their business early and get it done. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what, what shakes out, really. But the other thing is, I just think Town have got... They need, a, they need a better season next season and to make a bit of progress because they've got to become a better prospect for players coming in. They they need to become a bit of a... One of the reasons Blackburn have, have done really well, I know they've dropped off back end of the season, but one of the reasons they get a load of really, really good players from the Premier League is because they're seen as a really nice club to go to who try and play football in the right way, um, passing and attacking football. And that's why they end up getting the likes of you know Harvey Elliott and various others they've had over the last two or three seasons and town need to sort of get themselves into that bracket so they can be competitive and try and pick up i mean to be frank to try and pick up next season's version of izzy brown for instance yeah well that or emil smith rowe or aaron moy or yeah exactly i think yeah i I think they definitely if they are going to do a premier league loan or two central midfield is absolutely the area to do it because that's where you get your players who um who have the quality that you just can't get elsewhere but I think that more generally speaking you're right like that they need players who are sort of on the way up rather than players who are sort of have got yeah. to the championship level and then plateaued because I think the only way that you sort of get better in the longer term is by having players who are on that upward trajectory it's premier it's pro evolution soccer master league stuff you want to get them low on the trajectory and that might mean you know, you think about the players who have done best for town over the last couple of years, and a lot of you know, it's Josh Groma, Harry mm. Toffolo, Lewis O'Brien. Um, you know, it's players that have been coming up from sort of the low, lower down the leagues rather than players that have they've signed expensively from abroad or from the Premier League um, or or the top end of the championship. So, Alex Pritchard or Adama Diakabi or. Uh, even Isaac and Benza for all he's had a better year this year. I think generally speaking, the 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 play the permanent signings they've had that have done better have been the one the younger players or mm. or I was well not even necessarily younger players. You know Harry Toffolo is what is he twenty six? Um, so I think players of if they can get more Harry Toffolos and fewer um, Alex Pritchard, yeah, that that would serve them very well and. It's easy to say that when you've got a player from League One who's come in and done well and a player who's come from sort of the top end of the championship and has been a flop. But I think there is a lot of truth in that and it is also consistent with the kind of market that Town are going to be, you know, have yeah. the budget to shop in. Um, so I think I can understand that it isn't exciting. You know, when Harry Toffler came in, no one was going, oh, amazing. That's exactly what we needed because... Half of town fans didn't really know who Harry Toffolo was. They just sort of took it on trust that he was, you know, the Cowleys trusted him. And, um, you know, obviously Lincoln fans spoke very highly of him. And he came in and immediately looked like a good player. So, you know, it's easy when it's like that. But um, there are there are good players in League One and League Two as well. It's it's not it, particularly after the fact that the transfer markets have been so stagnant because of COVID. Yeah, there are good players to be had. I mean, we'll go into specifics, but you know, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows how much I love Ollie Rathbone at Rochdale, for example. There, it you, you can't just go, oh, we're just picking up League One players and League One standard because they're not. Football doesn't work like that, or else everybody would be born a Premier League player or a yeah. Championship 
music play and everything else. It's just that, like to repeat myself, you just you need players who need that win bonus. That is that is the reality of town situation. And I think when you look at Alex Pritchard, and I don't, I'm I'm not picking on him because he's got no right to reply here, but I am. I am going to say it. He's probably going to go somewhere next season, and he's probably going to have a decent season. I think we've we've both fairly agreed on that. He's not a bad footballer. The problem is just for lots and lots of reasons. He's not been right for Huddersfield Town. He's not been right for Huddersfield Town's last two managers, as it's turned out. Really, arguably three, because Jan wanted to play with the four three three without a ten altogether. And to be frank, his attitude has ended up reflecting his circumstances. And that that is what Town have been dealing with this season. And I think when you said that you feel like this season has been almost like a bit of a nil-nil, I, I sort of completely get that. I'm completely there with you. Because that's, that's what it has felt like. And I, I mean, even when times were good before December, off air... I, I it's worth I may as well admit it you know I I had serious reservations because the fundamental problems that town had weren't being addressed you could see in the numbers they might be getting the wins but the the real things that were real issues were still big issues from game to Ch- game chance so, creation this season has been even in that positive that good run they had over December there they would um, really weren't creating many chances um, and defensively the same issues were there they just they give up too much space they give up space in the wrong areas they give up too many shots it's too easy to get crosses in because of how high the fullbacks played so there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot to be said for just getting a squad who feel who are just a lot hungrier than this one currently funnily enough like I looked at uh, you look at Diakabi going and everybody was sort of through the floor because he scored that equaliser was it a last minute equaliser as well Um, and it was a really good goal but circumstances affect players and you can't always blame them you know when Alex Pritchard goes and plays really well somewhere else next season I don't think that's necessarily a slight on Huddersfield Town or on Alex Pritchard. It's just circumstances haven't been right. Yeah. And what you want is just to get a load of lads in who can overcome circumstances because they just they're like Harry Toffolo. They just want to work and push on and and they want a platform to go on to bigger, better things. There's nothing wrong with saying that. There's there's nothing wrong with Huddersfield Town becoming a platform for players who want to push on because that will only benefit them in the long run. But yeah, it's t- it, it's it's interesting. That will really stick with me that you said this season feels like a nil-nil because it it does. It genuinely does. That very apt, Stephen. Very apt. You should be a writer. <laughs> Thanks. So should you. I hear that you write excellent books about uh, Bobby Robson's England. I do, I do. I haven't really got anything to add to that. Oh, what's it called and where is it available to buy? Oh, sorry, yeah, I I really am bad at promotion, aren't I? Silver Linings, available in all good and all bad. I'm glad that your book is on sale at bad bookshops. (laughs) <laughs> care to name any of them well as a publisher as as a publisher i could but i won't i will re- refrain <laughs> i will refrain from mentioning anybody by name magic right david thank you very much we've managed to get nearly an hour out of that somehow um pat ourselves on the back there and we will and see you call me david you just gave me my sunday name i know i, I know I feel even, like i'm talking to my mother even though it's wednesday sorry the podcast was slightly later than usual but uh we couldn't make monday or tuesday work so this is uh, this is what you've got, and we will see you hopefully on Monday next week. Is that right, Dave? Yeah. Good. Same usual time, same usual bat channel. Goodbye. See you there. <laughs>